title of today's message falls really appropriately. It's called How to Be a True Worshiper. Right? i got to be honest, for those of you who've been here when I've preached the last few times, I've picked on Abraham pretty hard. Uh, I've had some memorable quotes, right, Wendy? Right, Wendy? I've called Abraham a dude living in his mom's basement wearing uh, sweatpants. I have, I have said that Sarah was hot, or the, the, the kings were hot to trot for Sarah, an old woman, a senior saint. But I've said some memorable things uh, during this one. I'm really excited because I get to talk about him being a true worshiper. And the example that, that Abraham is. So I'm pretty excited. I'm hoping not to have any memorable sayings uh, this week. As, as Wendy loves to remind me of my, my memorable sayings. Uh, I will tell you those who were here the last time. I did not come over here and preach this yesterday. Uh, my wife actually asked me. She said, hey, would you like to come over? And uh, she was going to help me with the notes. And she says, I'll tell you what. I'll put your notes in while you preach it. And I'm like, no. No. No, no. So uh, uh, there was many times this was preached in my, in my head, but uh, so I, you know, you guys know me. I like to start off every sermon with somewhat of a relatable story. And uh, so uh, today would be no different, right? And uh, so most of you know, if you've been around me for more than 10 minutes, I have three beagles. Uh, whom I love greatly, right? Uh, if you've been in my house, a lot of you've been in my house, uh, you know how much it is, how much I love them. Their names are Reacher. Reacher is the guy with the blue. And then the two girls are Piper and Tilly. And they're kind of like another set of children to me, if you've been in my house. I mean, you, you know it. They, they have more toys than my son had when he was that age. And uh, so if you look at the photo albums on my phone... Don't anybody go look at my phone. Uh, but it, it, it is predominantly beagle pictures. Uh, not pictures of my son, not pictures of my wife, not pictures of uh, my, my lily uh, in there. It is, is pictures of my dogs uh, everywhere that I go. And uh, I affectionately call them, if you've heard me call them, I call them the three goons. Uh, they, are, if, they are tremendously loving, but they are rough in their loving. They are tough characters, and uh, so I call them the goons. They're kind of like hockey enforcers, right? They, they really are. They're they're just they're built like it. They're, they love like that. And, uh, um, you know, Wendy can't walk in the house unless Reacher has kissed her entire face. And he does it aggressively. And, like, you know, he wants to pull her onto the floor. So, uh, but this is what I've noticed about my beagles. This is what I've, what I've noticed. Just a few things here uh, for you to kind of think about today. They look to Heidi and I for everything. Um, I mean, we have one beagle, Reacher, who insists that he doesn't eat out of a bowl. He has to eat, you have to pour his food out onto the floor in front of him a little bit at a time. And then he whines at you when he finishes that to fill up it again. Go again. Or when Lily's there, he insists that Lily put a pillow on her lap and he lays back and he lets her feed him piece by piece. No joke. This, I mean, I'm not kidding. These guys, this is what I know. I know that you're all judging me right now. And I, and I know it, right? But... <laughs> but as I look at these beagles, here's what I also know. They fully trust Miss. And they don't worry about anything. They're the happy-go-luckiest guys you've ever met in your life, right? Um, I know that if we go for, they know if, if we go for a walk, they trust I'm going to lead them home. There's been a few times I'd like to drop them off about seven blocks away. But I know it. That they'll, they'll know that I'll lead them home. They know that if their bowl is empty, the dad's going to fill it. 
They know that if they need to go out, no matter whether it's the 27th time of the evening, that one of us is going to let them out of the wars. That one of us is going to get up and do that, primarily Heidi. <laughs> and, and they know, and they know, that mom and dad will always bring out the good bones. They always know, and they know where we keep them. Here's what Heidi and I know. They will come usually, well, sometimes, when they're called. Kind of reminds you of somebody, doesn't it? We know that they depend on us and trust us for all things. How do I know it? Because of all the beagle kisses I get daily. I also know that they'll act up. That they'll be a fool. And they'll do whatever they want to sometimes. But I also know that when they get out of line, I'm going to correct them. Because I love them. And they know finally that we will always provide for everything that they need. That's pretty cool. And that's what we're going to see a little bit in today's lesson. We see God who wants Abraham to lean on him, to obey him, all for his good. And that God is faithful in just the right time. I was talking to you guys about knocking today. Somebody said, man, I knocked once. He didn't answer that way. Sometimes you got to keep knocking because it's just not the right time. And that's what we're going to learn about today. Well, I'm going to take you to our scripture. It's a bit of a long one this morning, so bear with me. But we have plenty of time. It is a lot better earlier than the last time I started a sermon. Uh, so we're doing really good today, right? And it's just Diana down there with the kids. She doesn't care. I'm good to go. Uh, if you all see Diana come out with her hair pulled out and uh, looking more like me, then we'll know there was a problem. But uh, if you want to turn your Bibles to Genesis 22, verses 1 through 18 this morning. It's a great story. Uh, it's, it's one that, that has a tremendous amount of lessons that can come out of it. Um, I'll be honest with you, I could have preached this sermon seven different ways uh, from this, this one. I could pull seven different, seven different uh, messages from it. But uh, God just laid some really important things on you about how to be a true worshiper out of this passage. So, and I think that's important for us. I think that's really important for us. So uh, we read out of the New Living Translation. We've got it up here on the screen this morning. So uh, we're trying some new font. Heidi and I like it. So we'll see. Aaron probably won't, but that's okay. Uh, He can change it when he preaches again. Uh, I think we like to do that to each other sometimes, just to mess with each other. So, But uh, sometime, this is where it starts. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham. And here I am, he replied. I wish my beagles were that obedient, but you know. Oh well. Then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Morah and sacrifice them there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Now, early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and he placed it on his son Isaac. And he carried him, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Father, 
Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering for my son. And the two of them went on together. And when they reached the place that God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. And he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar and on top of the wood. And then he reached out his hand and he took his knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up there in the thicket and he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son. I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possessions of the cities of the enemies, of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Now, I want to put this disclaimer out here before we go any further, before I pray, before anything else. For a lot of folks, they, they oh my gosh, God asked him to sacrifice his son. Let me just be honest with you. Let's just be really clear. God does not want human sacrifices. Any of you get a, an idea about your kid that's misbehaving? God has a very clear no out of Leviticus, okay? Leviticus 18.21. But really what the piece of this is, God's looking for more. That's what he's really looking for. So let's pray. And uh, I'm going to ask God just to calm my mind. If you don't know, if you haven't noticed, I'm super like, excited. When God puts words like this on my heart, I am really excited. And I just want to speak with a clear, a clear voice today. So, Father, we just praise you. And I thank you for this, for this time, God, this time with these folks. Lord, I pray right now that the words out of my mouth would be anointed, Father, that they would come directly from your heart, Lord Jesus, that they would be clear and concise today, Father. I pray that you would speak to our hearts, God. Call us to be true worshipers today. Show us exactly what you desire from us. And I praise you and I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, how many are note takers? Sometimes. Uh, <laughs> i got to be really honest. Can I be, can I be really honest? Uh, so I was, last time I told you guys, I got really excited and I deleted all the notes page. And uh, so I was telling Aaron about that. And he said, yeah, I fixed it up for you. He actually misunderstood me, left all the, note, left all the scriptures in and then forgot the Forgot to leave me a note page. So, thankfully, my wife, actually, for you note takers, came in here yesterday and figured out how to make the note page again. So, uh, we get to have notes today. How about that? How about that? So, thank you, Heidi, for that. All right. You guys ready? I'm fired up. This is good stuff. This is good stuff. Here's our first point. This is going to be a little bit strange. God wants nothing held back from him. That's a hard one for a lot of us. It really is a truly hard concept for us to grab hold of. We talked about it a little bit last time I spoke, didn't we? Isaac was, or excuse me, Abraham was holding back. 
right? He, his own fears. He was holding on to his own things. But let me tell you this. A true worshiper of God will hold nothing back. Nothing is held back. So this is what Jesus declared. Jesus declared that true worship would be in truth and in spirit. That means nothing is held back because we're in our truest form, but we're also worshiping in our spirit. My body can only go so far, right? My arms can only be held up so long. But he's not worried about that. He's worried about how am I living? How am I acting? That's the true living out of truth and in spirit. Since the creation of man, since Genesis chapter 1, God has longed for an intimate relationship with his people. See, God was demonstrating this to Abraham when he told him he had plans for Sodom and Gomorrah. We talked about that a few more weeks ago, right? God actually comes down and he reveals his plans to Abraham. Now, God didn't have to tell him anything, but he longed for this intimate connection with Abraham. He didn't want to hold anything back from Abraham. Remember the scripture says, should I hold this back? God's starting the demonstration piece. And he says, no, I won't hold it back. I'll bring it out. Kelton told you today that this is a two-way relationship, right? It's a two-way piece. God didn't hold anything back. He was demonstrating his commitment to his relationship with Abraham by sharing his thoughts and his intentions. Now, what does it mean to hold nothing back from God? When Jesus was asked about this, he repeated what the Jews referred to as the Shema. The Shema it was repeated twice a day, every day. Now, anybody know what the Shema is besides Pastor Morris? Because I know he knows what it is. Those of you who were in my chosen group, I'm a little disappointed. You knew Wendy? Wendy knew. Okay. It is out of Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5. And this is, this is what it says. It says, Jesus replied, so I'm going to repeat Mark, but this is out of Deuteronomy. It says, Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel. This is what they would repeat. This is the Shema. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and all of your mind and all of your strength. So important, so fundamental, so much that they had to say it twice a day. Some of us are lucky if we say it on Sunday. I love you, Lord, with all my heart and soul. Unless you're Steve, man. He, like, jumps around. He, you, know, you know what he's thinking, right? Uh, some of us can barely get it out on Sunday morning. I love you, Lord, with part of my heart, a little bit of my mind. Enough strength if I, got, if I can wake up or Andy's got enough good coffee up back there. No, this is what the Jews repeated every single day, twice a day. You guys want to hear it again? Just so you remember it. This is how important it is. Maybe I'll read it twice. Listen, O church. Come on. The Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. What's that mean? Come on. How many of you know what that means? I have not seen many hands raised. All right, so I'm, that's good, because i got a whole explanation for you today. 
because it is important. But let's look at what are those four keys to loving God? What's four keys? What's the fundamental part of holding nothing back? Let's start with the heart. Let's start with the heart. I'm going to get really simple. I've got two things here that come out of the heart. Jesus talked about it, but out of our heart comes our thinking. Because where our heart at is what we're thinking about. That makes sense? When my wife was gone this week for a few days, working, guess what I was thinking about? Because that's who has my that's my heart, right? Thinking about her. Because she's in my heart. Ah. Well, think about this one. This kind of seems, seems crazy, but speaks for itself. Affection. Where we put our attention is where our love is at. It's what matters to us. You know, right? Where our affection goes. Talking about my beagles. You know I love my beagles. The beagles have my heart because I constantly have dog hair everywhere all over me all the time. My head probably smells like beagle kisses most of the time. Right? I mean, that's the truth of it. Let's talk about our soul. That's our desire. We don't think about that often. Our desire. It's who and what do you desire? What do you desire? For some people, it's, it's drugs. It's alcohol. It's porn. Everything but God. And so here we are. It's everything you desire. But it's also a feeling. Come on. We're Pentecostals. We feel, don't we? We feel. That's really important. Every good R&B soul song sings, I've got that loving feeling. There you go, Wendy. There's your comment. There it is. I found a way to bring in... What do you feel? Where's your affection at? Where's our desire at? Where's our feelings at? Some of us, I can tell you, I see your feeling. Actually, all of you. I can see how you're feeling. Just being honest. Then our mind. Our mind is understanding. Do we understand the things of God? Do we think about them? Do they, are they on our heart? Do we, are we in connection with him? 1 Corinthians 2, uh, verses 10 through 14, talks about that. It says, uh, but it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and knows, uh, shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except a person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And when we have received God's spirit... Not the world spirit, so we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given us. That's where our minds are at. Is your mind connected? Listen to this. When we tell you these things, we don't use these words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truth. But people who aren't spiritual, well, their minds aren't. Listen, can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. 
It sounds foolish to them and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. We have the opportunity to have the mind of God. That's what it's talking about. Because when we have the mind of God, we can be in love with God because we understand what he's doing. When you are in relationship with someone, you understand their thinking. Hopefully. I can tell you a lot of times what Heidi is thinking. Because we're in relationship. Because we have like minds. We may not be the same people, but we have like minds. Finally, in this it says strength. So remember, we've, we've, looked, at, we've looked at heart, soul, mind, and strength. Well, what is strength? Well, it's obvious. I mean, Kelton, you can flex if you want to. I don't want to embarrass him. Uh, I would do it, but that would totally embarrass him. Uh, but uh, it's our energy. Where are we spending our energy? Come on, ask yourself that. Some of you got seven days in a week, and you can barely give up an hour and a half of your energy to make it to the house of the Lord. Some of you can go all day long, get to the gym, run around, get to the kids' ball games, do all this, but you can't give God 10 minutes to read his word. So tell me, is that your heart? Is that your mind? Is that your strength? Because what we, is important to us is where we'll spend our strength. God understands for us to have a true relationship, to be true worshipers. Listen, true worshipers and have that deep relationship that nothing can be held back. Nothing. Nothing can be held back. That's why he asked Abraham to trust him with what Abraham loved the most. Come on, some of you fathers know what I'm talking about here. Some of you fathers, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That, that, that child, right? But not only for Abraham was it his child, it was his future. It was his promise. It was all of those things. Not just was it his son, not just was it his, his blood, it was his future. It was representative of the God, God's promise to him. It was all of those things. And God says, are you willing to give it all up for me? Are you willing to share it all with me? Because that's what happens a lot of times, right? We get in there and we want to hoard it all up. We want to hoard everything up. We look at our sin and i got to hold on to it. But you can't take that away from me, God. You can't take that away from me. Don't, 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 I don't want to share that with you. And that becomes what? Our most important thing. I'm just still stuck on that piece of, of that's where our heart is at. Now you understand why this is so important. Loving the Lord with our, all our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength. Because it's who we are. We can be so in love with everything else but God. Just being real. And here Jesus says the most important commandment that we could ever do is give our whole selves. If we want to truly be worshipers, we've got to give it all. The ugly, the dirty, every bit of it. Mm. Well, let's go on to point two. God wants a heart that is obedient to him. Now, obedience comes with a negative connotation in this, 
in this society today, right? You need to, be, you need to obey me. That's what we look at obedience as, right? Obey me. It's, it's this sign of weakness almost. Isn't that what it feels like? Or it feels like we're getting treaded on, like somebody's stomping on us a little bit, right? That's absolutely not the case here because this is really not what it is. I want to take you guys back here for just a second. How do we show that someone truly has our heart? How do we, how do we truly show? That? Let me give you a little story here. So when, I've already picked on Kelton in Sunday school class about mowing the yard, but I'm going to pick on him again. And uh, so when, I, when he was a boy, you know, uh, I was a pretty harsh taskmaster, just to be honest. Uh, and, and I really had this thing about mowing my yard. But I really thought about always, always wanted my yard to be the, one of the nicer ones in the neighborhood. Don't come to my backyard now. It's not that way. Uh, but uh, I always wanted to have the nice yard in the neighborhood. So I would, when Kelton started mowing the yard, which was a real act of, for me, of release, right, to let him mow my yard, and I would say, you know, I knew we'd go on vacation. And we mowed the yard, usually on a certain day. I don't even remember what day it was. And I said, hey, we're going, I need you to mow the yard today. I called him from work and said, hey, I need you to mow the yard today. Now, the true act of obedience was, the reality is he'd probably just mowed the yard three days before. But he didn't ask me. He didn't say anything. He said, okay. Now, let me, let me tell you why that's important. I didn't have to come out and show him a hand of punishment, right? I didn't have to, I didn't have to get all upset. I didn't have to do any of that. He didn't act out of fear. He did it because he loved me. And because he trusted me. That he knew that no matter, even though I didn't explain it, that I had a good reason for it. Because when we went on vacation, we were going to be gone for a week. And I didn't want to come back to having to mow the yard twice, set the mower up, and then make us do it twice, right? I wanted it to be done once so that it would preserve the yard until we got back. But he didn't know all that. He just knew that he trusted me. If he obeyed me, that meant he trusted me, which meant he loved me. And that's how I felt when I got home. So, what does God see? God sees the act of obedience not as a hammer, but he sees it as the ultimate act of love. Let me give you this. Give me a little formula for those of you who are math whizzes out there. Obedience equals trust equals love. Y'all getting that? Obedience equals trust equals love. First Samuel chapter 15, 22 says this. It says, but Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than the offering of the Father. See, some of you get this wild idea. Well, if I come over and I mow the grass, I tell Pastor Kelly I'm going to come mow the grass because we need the grass. That's good enough. But you're willing to hold on to your sin. The images that are on your phone that you're going to spend half the night looking at. And you think, well, because I said it was okay, because I said I'd come mow the yard, it's going to be okay. That's not true. That's just real. God says, great, thanks for mowing the yard. I'll be honest with you guys. If one of you won't come mow it, I'll go mow it. Great, 
I, I'm glad you're going to do it. I appreciate it. It saves me a lot of time during the week. And I'm really thankful for it. But what I really care about is your heart. Where are you really at? Yeah, I, I, I don't want to mow the yard necessarily every week this summer. But what I really am concerned about is your hearts. Where are you spending your time at? Where are you digging deeper? Where are you growing? Just because you came and mowed the yard doesn't mean anything. That's really what Samuel's saying here. Great, thanks for, thanks for helping out. But what really what God wants is our hearts. And then we're doing it in obedience. Because then when you begin to, to want to mow the yard because you were in God's word, because you're falling more in love with him, then you want to do it because, hey, you know what? I just want to serve the Lord. And if that's the best way I can serve the Lord, that's the best way I can serve the Lord. Each of us have a unique way to do it. Each one of us will have a unique way to do that. But listen, obedience is not doing it because you must, but because you want to. Oh, man. It's, obedience is about choice. And listen, this is what God models for us. And God's ultimate act of love was to give you what? Choice. You have a choice whether to serve him. You have a choice whether to give your whole heart to him. I'm sorry if you're not, but you have a choice. See, obedience is always a choice. It is always a choice. One that we make each day and with each decision that we work through. We have a choice whether to allow God into our lives. We have a choice whether we allow him, how we interact at work, how we interact with our kids. We have a choice in all of that. Listen to what Joshua said. Joshua in 20, uh, sorry, chapter 24, verses 14 through 15 said, So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. This is one of my favorite verses. Serve the Lord alone. But if you reserve, if you, listen to this, this is odd to me that he puts in a choice. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then do what? Choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. That is one of my favorite verses because it's all about choice. We will serve. You guys have heard me talk about it. Make a declaration. Make a choice. It's because Joshua understood that the obedience is a choice and that it affects all that we do and it permeates all the way through. Listen here. All you parents, the choices you make, the opportunity you choose to be obedient to God permeates all the way down to your children. You think it just affects you? It affects every person in your family, every person you touch. Think about that. Think about that. He understood that true obedience meant that nothing. See, listen, he chose. True obedience, nothing could come between him and God. See, Joshua got it. It's the end of his life, but he's getting it. He's getting it. And that one must decide how they'll live. You can't live haphazardly. That's not how obedience works. I'll do it when I feel like it. Anybody ever had a child like that? I'll do it when I feel like it. 
I remember one time, mom, if you're listening, please you know, shut off for just a minute. Uh, one time I told my mom, I was like maybe 18. Kid you guys not, this is, my mom's like four foot 11 and uh, just a little lady. And uh, she, she said, Kelly, I want you to mow the yard. Your dad is sick. And I said, I'll do it when I feel like it. Man, something about little four foot 11 ladies, there's something fire inside of them. She picked up a pan off of, the, off of the deal. And before I could know it, here come the pan. And the woman hit me with a pan in our kitchen. My dad come running, what's going on down here? You know, I said, I said well, she hit me with a pan. She said, he didn't do what I told him when I told him. He said, I would suggest that you do. Fair enough, dude. I, I'm on top of it, right? You can't live haphazardly. You can't just do it when you want to. That's not an obedient heart. See, we see this in Abraham. He says, nothing, God, will I hold back from you. I'll hold nothing back from you because I choose you and I know that you'll provide for me. That's really important in our scripture because it says, he said to, to Isaac, he said that God will prevent, provide the offering. He said to his servants before they even went, we will come back down because he understood if his obedience was there, that God would provide for him. All right, well, if you're looking for your last point, God provided the sacrifice for those who trust him. That's a real key to that. You've got to be able to, you've got to, be able to trust. But if you're obedient, what are you going to do? What's that mean? You're trusting. Abraham wasn't trusting earlier on in his life, was he? He wasn't trusting that God would provide for his life and his safety and Sarah's and all of that. Now, wait a minute. Hold on. He's having a, this guy is having the moment. He's matured. He's learning. He's really starting to get it. Now, listen to this, though. This is really important. So God provided the sacrifice, didn't he? God provided the ram. But listen to this, what Abraham didn't do. This is the one time this is good that Abraham didn't do something. Abraham didn't try telling God how to provide. He just said, I trust you. You can have it all, God. You can have my future, my hope, every bit of it. Because I trust you. I'll be obedient to what you call out. And then he didn't try to tell God how to provide. Because Abraham simply says that God will provide. Listen to this. This is out of Hebrews 11. Uh, we're going to finish up a lot in Hebrews today, but... Hebrews 11, 17, 19 says it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises. Listen, he's learning. He's kind of painting you a picture here. Who had received God's promises was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. Even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died and God was able to bring him back to life, and in a sense... Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. Now, this is not the same guy from earlier on. Remember, Isaac tried to, or excuse me, Abraham tried to tell God how to do it before when he took his wife's handmaid. And what happened out of that? It didn't go so well, did it? He quit trying to tell God how to do it. That's one of the, the worst things that we do. We get caught up. We get caught up. Come on now. All of you have been there with me. God, 
I'll give you this. I'll give you, I'll give you my drugs, or I'll give you my, I'll give you my alcohol, or I'll give you that porn, or whatever it is, God, I'll give you that. I'll give it to you, but I want to give it to you this way. I'll give it to you over a period of time. Well, I'll give you this little bit of it. I'll quit looking at that magazine, but I'll keep this one. Or, you know what, God? I'll go from, from, from Bud Weiser to Bud Light. Come on, I've heard people say this stuff. This is nuts. I will do what you say, but only if you do it my way. How many of you ever heard that? I gotta tell you, my son knew better than the, to, to bring that one up. Might be one of the few times I'm glad I was a hardhead. Because he understood that what obedience wasn't about doing it his way, it was about doing it mine. That's how God is. See, God doesn't operate letting you dictate to him how things are done. That's the very violation of the very first two points that I made to you guys today. Giving him everything you are, giving him your whole heart, and being obedient. Well, guess what? You don't get to have a say in how it's done. You have to trust him. Because if you're telling God how to do it, you're not giving it over to him. You're not obedient to him if you're telling him how to do it. And you're surely not letting him provide for you if you're telling him how to provide. Now this next point's a big one here. Get out of the way and let God be God. Because he can do it better than you ever can. When God made that, the Father made that ultimate sacrifice, he gave Jesus as his son, as a sacrifice for your life. Nothing in your life, get this guys, how much he loved you. He didn't put some disclaimer on it. He gave his son for all. He didn't say, well, those who aren't very dirty. He didn't say those who've got things that are just too far away. He didn't say any of that. He said, didn't say your pain is too deep. Because I'm telling you, there's no pain that's too deep. There's no place that's too dirty for him. There's nothing that's too far away for him. See, Jesus gave his life as a sacrifice, just like, Abraham, just like God gave a lamb to spare Isaac's life. There's a lot of irony in there, a lot of similarities, if you will. That ram was caught in a thicket of thorns. And it was the same thing that was placed on Jesus' head. A crown of thorns that held him as a willing sacrifice with no disclaimer. I don't care where you stand today, what you did yesterday. I don't even care what you did this morning. You're not too far away. You're not too dirty for his sacrifice. Hebrews 10 10 through 12 says, For if God's will, God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which he can never take away sin. But our high priest offered himself as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. 
then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. Because let me be honest with you. It was awesome that God provided the ram for, I, for Isaac's life. But guess what? There were other rams that had to be sacrificed for his sins continually. Still had to be more sacrifices. But when Jesus came, he was the one for all sins. Hmm. He was the ultimate sacrifice for your sin. Because God wanted to reestablish. Get this. All of this leads down to this. God wanted to reestablish the relationship with you. He wanted it to be just like Abraham, just like, just like in the garden with Adam and Eve. He wanted to go back. He wanted to be able to hail, hold their hand. He wanted nothing to separate him from his creation. Some of you are sitting out there today and you feel really separate. God doesn't want to be separated from you. That's your choice, not his. Because that's the good news, that Jesus died for your sins. He paid that price. He died for your sins so that God the Father could be in relationship with you. That's the good news. That's the basics of it. That's how we're true worshipers. That's how we get to be a true worshiper. That's how we get to really understand because we have relationship with the Father. That's how you truly understand. So let me break it down for you one more time. And then we close up. God wants all of you. Some of you think you're too dirty. You're too good. You're too bad. You're too ugly. He wants it all. Just like, just like Abraham. He wanted your hopes. He wants your dreams. Nothing is off limits. Nothing, Connor, is off limits. He wants every part of you. Even the things you thought weren't, weren't good. He wants every part of it. God wants your obedience. He wants you to do what he asks because he has a plan. He has a plan. He wants you to trust him, to love him. You can trust him that he'll never let you down. Never, ever. Anything I've ever brought him into, i got to be honest with you, he's never let me, left me hanging. Now, let me tell you, when I've not invited him into some places, I've been left hanging. But that was my choice, not his. Because if I invited him in, and I followed the rules of being a true worshiper, I wouldn't have been hanging there. Hebrews 7, 18 tells us that so God has given us his, both his promise, listen to this, his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hope, hold, hold, hold to the hope that lies before us. The hope is strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. That's where I want to worship at. I want to worship in the inner sanctuary. We sing a song that says, throw open the gates. Because I want to, I want to worship right at his feet. I want to worship straight in the inner sanctuary. And most importantly, 
Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. Perfect in all that he did. Perfect in that he died for your sins. God loved you. Get, get this through your head. God loved you right where you stand. Rick, right where you're sitting, right there. God loved you enough that he would give up his son for you. He gave himself. You can trust him. Wait, let me tell you, if somebody gives their kid for me, I got to tell you, they love me, don't they? And we can trust him. I can obey him. I can give him everything. And remember, just like that lamb, Jesus allowed himself to be held by a crown of thorns. For you. For you. Well, we're going to close up here. And I'm going to pray. But if you bow your heads, I'm just going to put a few things out there for us. If you heard today what I was talking about, and you saw these people today worshiping, and you said, I need that. I need someone who would die for my sins. Someone who would doesn't care what I look like right now. I need that. I need that Jesus sacrifice in my life. If that's you, just raise up your hand. Yeah. Second one. Really, it's a hard one, but I want you to be brave today. Some of you are in here today and you say, you know, I know who Jesus is, but I've been holding on to some things. I've been holding on to parts of my life that I didn't trust him with, that I wasn't obedient with. Maybe it's sin. Maybe you're struggling with addiction. Maybe you're struggling with being unfaithful to your wife. Maybe you're, maybe you're letting things get out of control with your drinking. It's things that are keeping you from living your fullest life with God. Maybe some of you just have some burdens that are weighing you down. That's you today. Raise your hand. I see all those hands. I see all those hands. I see every one of them. Finally, you just want to trust God and be obedient. You just want to dig deeper today. You just want to fall more in love today. You just want to go what I was talking about, saying, I want more. If that's you today, raise your hand. I'm going to ask you to do something brave. I'm going to ask you to do something really brave. I want you to come down to the front. I want you to come down to the front. If that's you, if you raised your hand, don't, don't hold back. Don't hold back. Be brave. Be brave. Be obedient. Yeah. Yeah. Be brave. Be obedient. This morning, 